Greetings. You are listening to Legally Uncensored with me, Demetria Graves, lawyer and family law specialist in the Los Angeles area. And today I want to talk to you about something that's been very, very important over the last year, and that is the impact of COVID on custody and visitation between parties, parties with court orders and parties without court orders. And before we get into this very important discussion, I want to kind of share with you how I have guided some of my clients during this time. And what I tell them and most potential clients when they call is if it's safe and if the parties, you know, have some form of communication between them, it's always better to come up with an agreement amongst yourself if it's possible because going to court is always an unknown. You might think you have the best argument, the best case, the best strategy, but judges are people as well. So they might not always agree with you. They might totally throw you a curveball. So if the two of you can sit down and have a discussion, especially during this time, right? Because there's just no clear cut answers across the board. Um, Even today, I can give you guidance and give you something to kind of take to the table. But there is no right or wrong answer as it relates to some of these issues we will discuss. So if the two of you can come to some agreement amongst yourselves, you might have to give up more than you want. The other party might have to give up more than they want. But if you can come up with something you can work with, at least on a temporary basis as we navigate this pandemic, then that's always better than going to court and not knowing. You can lose on every single issue that you want. The other party can lose on every issue if they, that you know they want. But it's always a toss-up. Nobody knows. So for you know, your peace of mind, it's always better if possible to come up with your own agreements. So this has become a major issue because let's go back to March of 2020 when we all believed we would only be in the house, you know, three, two, three weeks at, at the most. As we sit here one year later, we understand that that is not the case. So what happened as it relates to family court, at least here in Los Angeles County, when the courts closed for approximately three weeks, the only matters that were being heard in terms of um, custody and visitation was emergency orders. So if, if you had whatever the court deemed was an emergency, the court would hear the order, excuse me, hear the motion. But outside of that, the court was closed. That means any hearing that was scheduled during that three-week period was postponed to some future date. There was no filing of any new uh, motions at that time. And while the court was figuring it out, there was no real guidance on kind of how we would deal with, you know, parents that were infected with COVID, what would we do with the children? What would be the protocol? Or what was the protocol for parents that had custody orders for spring break and required the kids to travel? So there just wasn't enough 
our guidance as the court tried to figure it out. We all tried to figure it out. So that caused, as you can only imagine, a bit of a panic. So everyone had to try to figure it out as best as everyone could until the court was reopened. But now with the court closed, kind of what does that mean for everyone that had disputes that weren't able to work it out? And so that goes back to my original point. This required some parties who may have not had detailed discussions in years to kind of come to the table and try to at least work out limited issues until the matters can be resolved. So what I learned during the year is each party clearly, because we all don't think alike, right? Had differing opinions about how to act in COVID, right? Some people's pods, as we've now started to call them, meaning who you hang around or who you allow around you and your family. Um, some pods were were bigger than others. And some parents had concerns with how big the other party's parent, um, excuse me, pod may have been, especially if there is underlining health concerns for the other party, or maybe the child even had some underlining health issues. So we all try to quote unquote, follow the CDC guidelines, right? But again, some people were way more stricter with the CDC guidelines, whereas some were not. What I saw there, you know, there were small, there are small to big concerns because in the beginning or even now, there are some people that might have 15 to 20 people in their pod, whereas one family might have two or three. So that's a big difference. Or what if one party wanted to go to a beach house or a um, cabin or something that's not far, but requires a little bit of car trip, um, excuse me, car travel or who's going to be there or, you know, what are the protocols? And sometimes parties are able to work through those, those issues. And I really commend you, but when, when, you know, you don't, then what happens? So we're going to talk about that. Or another major one, like I mentioned, if you are, you know, waiting for your summer or spring break visit and you live in a different state, but the in-state parent has decided, oh, no, 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 we're not doing traveling. Then you have to decide, okay, are we going to make up this visit at another date? Are you going to try to enforce travel, which I've seen happen, or what is going to happen? Another big issue was school in COVID. For the most part, when, when the shutdown just happened, schools were closed. But as, you know, a year later, there's some discussion, especially in private schools, about reopening. And depending on the age of your children, although it has been reported that younger children don't have the same symptoms and, and impacts, we don't know. Because in the beginning, we were told not to wear masks. Then, yes, wear masks. So nobody knows. So is it safer for your children to return to school, especially the younger age children? Um, I've watched the news as limited as possible because that can be another um, stressor. 
but I've seen or read stories about children committing suicide or attempting suicide because of the loneliness they're feeling having to just go to Zoom school and not having that interaction that's very, very important for development. So how do you balance that with keeping your children safe or keeping yourself safe, especially if you have underlying health concerns? So that is something that's been coming up more recently because a lot of schools are set to open either at the end of February 2021 or the beginning of March. And then another sticking point was COVID protocols. So if you get COVID and the child is with the other parent, does that child stay with the other parent while you quarantine? What if the other parent gets COVID? How are you going to handle that? Or what if a significant other in the um, household of either party gets COVID? Or what if the child gets COVID while at the non-custodial parent's place? Like, what, what are your protocols? Have you talked about it? Are you talking about it? Or is one party, which tends to be the case at times, making unilateral decisions about what happens or the one that comes up the most not disclosing when someone is testing positive in the other household. So let's get into what you should do for each particular circumstance, keeping in mind that even if you filed a motion with the court, the court is still backed up right? Because they were closed those three weeks. The filings are through the roof because of, you know, kind of what we discussed. There's a lot of gray area right now in terms of everyone trying to figure it it out. So you cannot have a hearing for three to four months on these issues. So I would always say, as I mentioned, step one should be, okay, let's, let's see if there can be some type of resolution. If maybe the parties can't talk one-on-one, do both parties have lawyers that can talk and try to resolve it? Or if there's a trusted advisor or someone that can be the mediator between the two of you, if you feel the two of you can't have a civil conversation. So before you even file a motion or before you even have the conversation with the your significant other, excuse me, your ex-significant other, narrow down what really are the issues. Not, oh, you're doing this or you're doing that or I don't like this or I don't like that. What is the issue at hand? Is it that the other party is not following CDC guidelines? Is it that one of the parties in the other household is a frontline worker and you want to kind of know the protocols of what's going on with that or whatever the issue is, narrow that down. So you know exactly what you're talking about and knowing exactly what you want to try to resolve. So let's talk about if the parties have COVID differences, right? So you can't really force another party to do what you want them to do, right? You can make suggestions, you can share your concerns, but neither party can force the other to kind of do what they want them to do. So what I have said And what I try to convey to my own clients is, for the most part, you have to trust that your ex 
is not going to put your child in harm's way. Like you're not going to put your child in harm's way. You might have a difference on what that looks like, but there should be some trust, even if it's really small, that the other party is not going to do anything to put your child at danger. And um, even if you feel a little uncomfortable with that, I'll go back to traveling to a beach house or a cabin. You know, there's no right or wrong answer, but some people feel a change of scenery is is great for children. Um, just, you know, to get out, get some fresh air. And if you're only dealing with your pod, as we're calling it, then is that really a big deal? Even though you might not want to do that. So maybe there is some discussion between the parties in terms of who is going to attend, how long that's going to happen, and what are the protocols surrounding that. Even if that's something that you wouldn't do. And I'm not talking about beach house cabin having to get on a plane and fly. I'm talking about maybe within the county or the next county over or whatever the situation may be. So this is where, again, I'm talking about the CDC might have said not to leave your county. But some parties feel, you know, I'm not technically leaving the county because I own the house in this next county anyway. So I live in both counties. So this would potentially require the parties to have a conversation about it. Because going to court, like I said, even if you filed the motion, you might not be heard on that until the issue is is long gone. So that's that's something that's not as big as an issue. But again, that's still kind of the gray area. Another big one that has come up is when one party lives in a different state and they are going to risk not having their their visits as ordered or as informally agreed between the parties. In this one, I I'd like to have both parties, the remaining parent who would rather not have the tra- the child travel during this time and the out of state parent um, to both kind of look at it from the other side's perspective for the remaining parent. If, if you do not want the child to travel for, you know, obvious reasons, um, because sometimes that requires that parent to travel, to drop the child off. So some people are just really afraid of traveling right now for obvious reasons. So if that is the case, is there some form of makeup or is there some form of alternative ways to have the parent and the the child engage because the visit may or may not happen? Uh, You know, our go-to right now is Zoom. We also have FaceTime. There are other ways to encourage uh, as we like to say in family court, more frequent and continuing um, communication and the other party seeing their parent. Out-of-state parent, ask yourself, do you want your child traveling? Do you want the other parent who may have underlying health conditions having to go to the airport, travel with the child, then travel back to where they live? That has been concerns. And when this initially started in March in 2020, I did have to go in on the ex-party basis on a couple of these. And 
what the overwhelming response was. And again, I only went to one or two judges was that the child would not travel. And I'm not to say that this would be the case now, but considering the numbers are, as we sit in January of 2021, the numbers are probably higher now than they were in March, 2020 are, are similar. So if you were going to fight this in court, the court might say maybe the child won't travel, but you travel. But then the issue with that is if you're exposed, no one might know until days later, right? So there are a lot of details that would need to be discussed or decided on. But some of the questions I would ask is, is it safe for the child to travel right now? What are the ways to make up for the missed visitation? What are ways to um, compensate for not having the visit? What can be done in the in the meantime? Is it possible or do both parties feel comfortable with the other parent coming to visit with the child? Um, or is one party going to file a motion, which again, should be our last resort in terms of how, how the court is going to handle that. So the more pressing issue right now is school or no school. So I'll tell you a little bit about me or my child. My child is six in kindergarten and he's doing Zoom and (laughs) he loves his mom, I'm sure, but I know he misses playing with his friends, running around, doing what six-year-olds do, right? So I try to set up like the Zoom play dates with friends and that sort of thing, but still that's more screen time. He's still in the house. He's still not getting that interaction that he needs. So that is a big consideration for me in terms of, of course, considering the school protocols and that sort of thing. But I have to heavily weigh that against, you know, the continued screen time. So now instead of face-to-face interaction without the screen, he's spending those three hours of screen time with his teacher in the morning. And then those hours of screen time Zooming with his friends so we can foster that interaction. So I have to weigh all of that against do I send him to school and we're still not really knowing how it impacts children and then not really knowing when children are going to have the vaccination, if that's something that you're going to consider, because I'm not sure if the, the vaccine has even been tested on children yet. And then what are the protocols for the teachers? So trust me when I tell you, I am aware that there's a lot to consider before you just send your children back to school, but I'm con- asking that this is the type of conversation that you have to have with the other parent. It just can't be, no, I'm not sending them because I'm not sending them. You have to talk about what is the school's protocols? How is your children, how is your child or children, how are they adapting to being at home? Some kids are fine with it and some just, it just does not work for them. So what, what are your child's needs? Like my son would love to stay at home and Zoom and play Nintendo 64 or whatever that's called, you know, don't shoot me. I don't know. Or send him back and let him play. Let him get out of the house for a little bit and then come home 
and go back to screen for quote unquote homework for kindergartners or, or what that looks like. So I think that discussion involves knowing your child, knowing their needs and knowing what is best. It might be best for your child to continue to zoom for now until we know what's, what's best or see what happens with the school. But each child will be different and it's not going to be a blanket um, response for each kid. And neither parent should make that unilateral decision in terms of what is best. Have the discussion and you might surprise yourselves in terms of what you do agree on. So, and again, even if, so let's say school opens March 1st, if the two of you have the discussion and, you know, it's just not getting anywhere, even if you filed a motion, you're not getting back into court until, you know, probably when the school is almost out. So with that in mind, even if you don't like the other party, even if you don't like the other party spouse, because they're always in your business, we're going to have a whole nother podcast on that. Whatever it is, I might require you to have this conversation on email or whatever, but have the discussion and at least discuss the three questions. One, who is our child and our children and what are their current needs? Is Zoom working or can we, can we extend the Zoom schooling for a little while while we try to figure this out, right? Two, discuss what the, the school's protocols are going to be. What have they put in place for the children? What have they put in place for teachers? And then three, what are we going to do to replace that, that interaction, especially for the younger children, that they are missing from going to school if we decide not to send them back to school? That'll give you some understanding about where the other parent is coming from. Hopefully you get on the same page in terms of what your children or child needs, and then you can kind of make decisions from there. And so the other major concern that a lot of parents have is what are our COVID protocols? Each family will be different, but there should be discussions about what happens if I get it, if you get it, if your significant other gets it, my significant other gets it, or anyone in our house gets it, or our child gets it. One thing I would say for sure, please at least give the other party the common courtesy of informing them if someone in your household has tested positive for COVID. So if that happens, Again, have the discussion in terms of, I'll break this down to three things as well. And if possible, write it out, send it in an email, text, however you communicate. One, what happens if the par- either party gets it or someone in the household gets it? How long are you going to quarantine? Are there going to be makeup visits? Can you table the makeup visit for another time? Will the time be longer if either party has an underlining health condition? And when you are going to notify the other parent. And that should be immediately. In my my professional opinion, I think you should give the other party the courtesy to let them know. And then if the child is in your care, is the child going to quarantine with the um, impacted party or is the child going to come home? That is a big discussion to have. 
Along those lines, if a child tests positive while in the care of either party, where is that child going to quarantine? And then there should be a discussion as well. If there's a frontline worker in either household, are there going to be some revisions to how custody and visitation occurs? Um, or what are the protocols surrounding that? So if that person gets COVID, what are the parties going to do? So have a plan. And I think with a plan that will help reduce any conflict that might potentially arise in the future. And um, once you all know, then maybe it won't be such a big event should it happen. And I know they said, in at least in Los Angeles County, one in three people had COVID. So you have to plan on, okay, somebody's going to get COVID in my house, the other party's house. So let's have a plan. Let's be proactive about this. So we're not trying to, are not having to go to court or get attorneys involved or whatever it is, if there is a plan. So there are so many different avenues that we can really talk about, but what I really wanted you to get from this podcast was nobody really knows what to do, right? The courts might make an order or you know, your friends and family might tell you what's best, but nobody really knows. But you and the other party know yourselves, you know your children, and you know what's what's most important for your family. And the other party knows what's important for their family. So the takeaways are, one, try to come up with plans for the issues that come up for you during this COVID period in your family. Try to talk about it. Try to come up with the plan if that even includes getting another trusted third party to help you do so. And understand that we're all doing the best that we can. And most importantly is trust that the other parent wants to do. And, you know, for the most part in their own way, it might not be your way, but in their own way, will not do anything to put your child and children in harm's way. If you feel that that is not the case, then of course there are other options, but come from that place first and see if it can be resolved. So who knows how long this is going to last? Maybe this is an opportunity to better communicate with your other party, your the other parent, but whatever it is, just know that you are all in a better position if, if you can come up with something amongst yourselves. Um, your children will see you working together, which is great. And um, you you are doing the best that you can to keep your family healthy. So with that said, I hope you um, took some notes and jotted down what's best for you and maybe have some talking points for the discussion you plan to have with the other party. And I hope to, not hope to, but... I hope there are more plans in place and more discussions had rather than going to a, a very backlog court at this time. So with that said, until you listen again, I am Demetria Graves and thank you so much for listening. <music>